screen. There we go. This is what happened when Tom Brady's off and you put whoever is the backup to him. He's really unsure what's happening. Um, my name's Dave, uh, and I'm preaching today. And sometimes, you know, I, you would think after, I've done this several times in my life. But still, I'm sitting there and my heart is like beating, you know, and I feel like that's probably what the backup feels like uh, to Tom Brady. Like, who knows who that guy is? Who cares? Tom Brady comes in and does what Derek does, just uh, throw touchdowns because he's so good at what he does. But I promise uh, that just like whoever backs up Tom Brady, uh, I'll try my best. And usually the backup gets rooted for you. are like, this guy can't do that bad, you know, like... Uh, but, all kidding aside, I am a pastor here, believe that or not. Um, I'm the associate pastor. Derek's off today, and uh, he's been talking the last few weeks. We're getting ready to jump back into the book of Acts. We were in the book of Acts series way back in early 2020 before we got forced um, online because of the pandemic, and things just went weirdo on us um, for everybody. It's been like that for a long time, but I'm excited to talk about what's in Acts 13. We're going to be in um, the first just 12 verses um, so what, during the first series, or the beginning of, the, of Acts, they made it through 12 chapters. And if you're unfamiliar with scripture, I got a lot to say today. That's why I'm like speeding through this. I got I'm excited. Uh, but the first 12 chapters of Acts is the story, but also a historical account of the people that lived and what they did after Jesus dies and goes to heaven from the cross. He resurrects and he goes and he says, hey, go into the world and tell everybody about me. And so the first 12 uh, chapters, you hear the historical account of these people. And one of the reason I'm saying historical is if you look at extra biblical uh, historical books, these people are mentioned, Paul, Peter, um, some of the people we're going to read today, there, there's, there's an account uh, written about them. If you look at this uh, historical book written by a guy named Josephus, he re- references these people. These people, li- these, they lived and walked on the earth. So they're not just Bible stories, they're actual people. And Josephus, Josephus has a cool name, so if you want to look him up, uh, there's not too many Josephuses now in the world. Um, but anyway, so 12, 12 chapters, Jesus goes. He says, go tell everybody about me. The disciples who were following end up in this upper room. Uh, they have this crazy experience where they see these tongues of fire, their Holy Spirit, they get filled. Peter goes out, he just starts preaching, and 5,000 plus people get saved right out the gate. The Jews in that area, so they're still in Jerusalem and Judea, they're still persecuting the, this new uh, church, just what they called the followers of the way. That's what they were first called before they were called Christians, which just means little Christ. So they were known as the followers of the way. And the Romans, now they're ramping up their persecution, but the church is growing and growing. And a bunch of little house churches are being planted and everybody's making their plans. And so we get to verse thir- or chapter 13, and this is where, we're, this is where you see the, the very first uh, missionary journeys outside of Jerusalem and Judea. This is like the, the, the beginning of it. We'll get to it. But I want to tell you a little story. I know there's a lot going on in the world, and we'll, we'll discuss that too, but I also want to tell you about a surf story. Uh, this is Ocean City Church. We have lots of surfers here. Uh, I'm barely a surfer, but I have surfed. Um, I didn't grow up here. Actually, I grew up in Minnesota. There's no beach there. Uh, you can't buy oceanfront property in Minnesota. There's a lot of lakes there, but no waves. Uh, I moved here when I was 14, Fast forward, I meet the, my true love of my life at uh, 15. We get married. We have all these babies. No, no. That's right. My bad. We didn't get married at 15. I mean, I probably would have tried if she was, would let me, but she said she's a normal human and you don't do that. Um, 20, 20, how old were we? 20-something, early, very young when we got married. It's been 20 years. We have all these babies, and these little babies turn into little surf people. We have four. 
Asher's a surfer, Kaylee's a surfer, my son Kennedy surfed for a good while. So I spent a lot of time in the ocean with them. My youngest baby, she surfed a little bit, but she didn't really like the dude stuff. She turned into more of a dancer, so she's like a dude dancer. I mean, if you live in Jacksonville Beach, you're a dude. So we, I surfed, all right? I had a board, and I wore the baggies, and I was in the water with them. It was fun. You know, some of my best memories was watching them surf when they were little. Um, but I mean, I, you know, and I surfed waves here, you know, like we get waves, it's cool or whatever. But let me tell you something, there is a big difference between waves in the Atlantic Ocean and waves in the Pacific Ocean. And some of my buddies started taking these trips to Costa Rica and they would invite me and finally I decided I would go, right? And so we're going to Costa Rica, my buddy Ben and some of my other guys, they've already done this several times, they bring me. Now, let me tell you what a dummy I am. I went to Aqua East and bought a $100 surfboard that I had never paddled on, and I brought it to Costa Rica, and that's what I was going to surf the waves with. You know, I had sweet baggies, too. I bought this cool rash guard. I was going to look very cool and fit in this thing as I'm walking around the beach. So they take me to this place called Hermosa, a very famous surfing break in Hermosa, and it's beautiful. The first time you see it, it just looks like the magazines. Like, it's a kamikaze wave, huge waves, barrels. You just, it's so crazy. The beach is black sand. And it was intimidating, I'm not going to lie. We get there, and those guys have done this, and they just start going out. And the crazy thing about it is it breaks, like, right there to the desk. You think you can just, this is easy. I'm just going to go like this a few times, and then I'm going to be standing in the waves, like, Wee! you know. And, uh, dude, I, I was completely wrong. Like, the energy, if you've never put your feet in the Pacific Ocean, I start p- p- paddling out there, and it absolutely obliterates me. Like, it's, there's foam everywhere. I'm just getting pounded. No joke, my first attempt, the wave literally picked me up and slammed me on the black sand beach like this. I was laying there just going, I'm 33 years old. You know, like, firemen, like, you know, you think you can just do, we're not intimidated by anything. It was terrifying. But I get back up, and I'm like, I took the rash guard off. Like, this thing's keeping me from breathing. i got to take it off. And I see everybody else out there, and I'm like, I have got to get out there, you know? So I go again, and I'm just like, yeah! Still hammer, hammer, hammer. Great news. I finally make it out. Feels like three hours. And I get out to the lineup, and I'm just like, (laughs) and they're all sitting there laughing at me. I'm like, I made it, you know? So my plan was to sit there for a long time and catch my breath. Another thing about the Pacific, here in Atlantic, the waves just break, like pretty much in the same spot. No, Costa Rica, these set waves come in, these kamikaze, uh, scary things, and they break further out. And I, I make it out there, and here comes this set, and everyone around me is like, go, and they start paddling, and I'm like, what do I do? You know, like, well, I got to make a decision. And the only way I can describe this, and I'll keep this story, I'll end it quickly, is it looks like a triangular-shaped semi-truck coming at you at 80 miles an hour wanting to run you over and kill you. And so here comes the water of semi-truck, and I'm like, come on, David, you can do this. You know, you're talking to yourself. I do the duck dive thing. You heard of that? And I get under, and I'm like, I'm good. It's, it's cresting. These are like eight-foot faces, which is very big for, for me. And so I get under, and I'm like, I'm doing it. I make a fatal flaw, though. Like, I'm under the wave, and I do one of these for no reason. <laughs> Wide open mouth. So, like, I get under, and I'm oh, 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 filling up with salt water. It's very salty over there, too. I pop up. And I'm, I made it on the other side, and I just start going, oh, 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 the salt water barf. You've all done it. Don't act like you haven't. And I look over at Ben, and he is just cracking up as I'm like, oh, oh, because he knows that uh, I was not a true surfer. I had the gear, and I could talk the lingo, and I had been in the ocean, but when I got to the big stuff, it was a different story, right? And so here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. We surfed there a bunch of times. I never was, like, making, like, I didn't get to where I was in the barrel, just like, dude, I'm awesome. 
Uh, I did not do that, but I did start to figure out how to catch the waves. I took some lumps. I ate it. I got held under. But by the end of the week, I went from just a guy that had the gear and had surfed a little bit to the guy that's like, I'm surfing these waves. I'm like, I'm a surfer. Like, I'm doing it, you know? And that, the reason I tell you that story is that's what we're about to see in Acts 13. So you have these guys, these apostles, these disciples, these followers. They're in Jerusalem. They're in Judea. They're comfortable. This is their beach, right? Yeah, it's tough. They're taking a little, little lumps here or there, but this is their spot they're comfortable with it, but now they're getting ready to venture. Jesus said, go tell the whole world about me. They're getting ready to leave their beach that they know and go into a much bigger beach, and it's much different than what, they're, uh, what they've experienced. So if you've got your Bible, and if not, you can just read it on the screen. We put it on there for you. You're a very friendly church. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 13. Let's jump into the story. So <clears throat> verse 1, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manahane, don't think that's how you pronounce it, we'll call him Manny, Manny, who was brought up under Herod, the patriarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4, the two of them sent by their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Cilicia and sailed from, from there to Cyprus when they arrived at Salami, it looks like Salami to me. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce that. They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Very important. John was with them as their helper. You'll hear about him in a minute. Verse 6, they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Paphos. All right, so let's set the stage here. Let's take a look at who these people are. This is where it gets pretty cool. These are some interesting characters. So we have Barnabas. He's from Cyprus. So they're, they're getting ready, they're, in this, they're making their plans. All these guys are like, they're, we're commissioning, we're praying, we're going to send out missionaries. This is the first time we're, we're venturing away. And guess where they want to go? To Bar, uh, Barnabas' hometown. This guy Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. What a great name. Awesome name to have. Son of encouragement. He's from Cyprus. And so he's actively involved in getting this missionary journey with these guys to go to his hometown. His people, his friends, his family, the place that he grew up, he's, he's helping make this happen. He's directly responsible for this message of Jesus going to Cyprus. You got this guy, Lucius. Uh, he came from Cyrene in North Africa. Uh, Simon, who was also called Niger, so Simon was his given name. He was a Jew, but he also had another name, Niger, uh, which is African descent. So if, in this time in history, a lot of people kind of had two names. And the reason was that you'd have a name of your origin, your birth, where you were from, and then you'd have a given name that you used in your vocation or your travels. Uh, it was how you made your money. So you were kind of known in, in, with more than one uh, set of lenses by your name. And so Simon was a Roman name, so more than likely this guy Simon uh, was a part in Roman circles. He was, he was, that's how he made his money. At some point, he knew these people, right? Or he was involved in that kind of thing. Uh, Manny, or Manny, whatever, he was raised up under Herod. So this is our cast of characters. We got all these people from different places. Manny was under Herod. Herod was a, a puppet uh, Jewish leader put in by the Romans in Jerusalem, right? And so he has a lot of political clout. He's probably like, I picture him as like a lobbyist, probably. Like he's under Herod, but he knows the game. He grew up in this game. He's a part of the world and everything that's happening there. Uh, and then you have Saul. Saul's very famous. Everybody knows Saul, right? He's the guy that rode the donkey, and then he hated Christians, and he falls off the thing when he sees the light, and his name gets changed to Paul. And this is the very first time in Scripture you see his name go from Saul 
to Paul. We'll read that here in a second. So these, and oh, and then you got this guy, John Mark. Everybody, anybody ever heard of John Mark? So John is actually with Barnabas and Paul as they go on the journey. He's their helper. This guy, John Mark, is cool. If you look in Acts 12, 12, you see, this is where we find him. It says, when they had dawned on him, they went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So John Mark's mom, Mary, which apparently was a very popular name in Palestine in that era, that time of history, his mom pretty much was one of the first house churches. If you keep reading, this is where Peter comes and beats, bangs on the door. She opens up. He starts telling them about all these people that had got saved when he preached. So John Mark was probably more than likely a pretty young guy, and he grew up in church, the first churches. Like, he was part of the, this whole thing. Like, this is, this is his upbringing. So, like, look at this people group of people we have. They, and so here's the thing. Paul was from Tarsus, which was, it was a river. There was it's about 12 miles that flowed into the to Mediterranean Sea. So remember, parts of North Africa are part of the Middle East, even today. So all this big body of water and all these rivers, there's no cars. There's a lot of traveling by foot and by boat at this time. They're, all, they're from all over. Their backgrounds are different. The way they were raised was different. The color of their skin is different. Their ages is different. The things that they knew and didn't know. But see, we find these guys all together, coming together in unity, praying to do what? To find a way to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And when I'm reading this thing, I'm thinking about this is a perfect representation of what we're supposed to be. This is what the church was supposed to turn into that would, it wouldn't, like in all of us sitting in here, we all come from different upbringings. We have different vocations, different skills, different knowledges, different opinions, different views politically. But what, we're supposed to put all of those things aside and come together in unity. And man, does the world, does the U.S. at least need some unity now? right? We're not, we're, we're, there's a division. There's a problem. We've been talking about this for a year, but it's only gotten, it almost seems like it's gotten worse. All we wanted to do was get to the end of 2020. Man, we just get through 2020. What's the first thing that happens in 2021? All this stuff at the Capitol. There is not unity. There's trouble in our land, but we're the church, we're the church. We're supposed to not just be citizens of the United States. We're supposed to be citizens in heaven. We're supposed to come together in unity to do what? To get the gospel message of Jesus to all the people around us, including the whole world. Those are pretty words, Dave. Everybody likes talking about that stuff. But here's the thing. Where did these guys go? The first place they got commissioned to go was Cyprus, and they end up in this place called Paphos. Now, Cyprus was an island chain in the Mediterranean, and this place sounds awesome. I mean, super-duper awesome. They start in Antioch, which is in Turkey, third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. They sail from Cilicia to Cyprus to these islands, and where they end up is in Paphos. Now, Paphos was the capital of the super-cool island chain in Cyprus, and this place was infamous, man. It was known uh, for its uh, worship of the goddess of love, Venus, and they did some weirdo stuff that I don't want to talk about up here. Um, very strange sexual stuff that's too weird to even consider talking about anywhere. Um, but this is where they went, right? So they end up in this thing, and this is what it said about Cyprus. Let me tell you about this. This is Barnabas' hometown. Cy Cyprus was a Roman province famous, famous for its copper mines and shipbuilding industry. It was sometimes called Makara, which means happy isle or happy islands because it was held that the climate was so perfect and the resources so varied that a man might find everything necessary for a happy life 
within its bounds, the happy island. It, I mean, I'm, it made me immediately think of Jacksonville Beach. Do you realize Jacksonville is plopped right in the middle? So from, May, from Mayport to St. Augustine, this is one gigantic island. Way back in the day, it was known as Pablo Island. I don't know when back in the day was. I read it in Void. Void knows everything. They told us. But this is a bit, this made me, we, people love the beach. This is the, it's the fun in the sun. We got like the things on our porch. It's like, everything's better at the beach. You know, we love being here. Like we're so happy. We ride bikes everywhere. Uh, some people have golf. We just, we love it. It's great. It's the happy island. That sounds like a bunch of baloney right now, doesn't it? I could spin it any kind of way I want. Things are not happy. Mike alluded to it at the beginning of the service. No matter where you live, things are not good. Things are not easy. People are struggling. People are struggling in this church. Did you know that about uh, 45 minutes ago, one of our close uh, uh, members of our church was in the parking lot. Several anchors and staff was out there laying hands on this person because of what was happening in her family and what was going on. That she was being directly affected by, by the things that we've been struggling with. People are they're having a hard time. My neighbor, he's, he does construction work. He's, his, you know, he's lost his job, circled through a bunch of times. I've done nothing to help this guy out. I, I, I still never really told him about the gospel one time. The other day, he says, hey, man, I finally, he's sitting on his porch. He says, I finally got a new job, uh, and my new boss is sending me scriptures every morning. And I immediately felt convicted. I mean, I was excited, but I was like, I've never said one scripture to him. I talk to him every single day. I mean, I was happy that there was somebody doing it, but I wasn't. But he was only telling me that he was like, you know, it, it was really hard not having a way to make money for this long. But then he immediately tied it to the fact that this guy was sending them stuff about Jesus. I need to be like that, and I haven't been that way. But even our little pretty happy beach stuff isn't happy, is it? I'm up here saying, unity, preach the gospel, let's just do this in Jesus' name. But it doesn't feel happy. It doesn't feel easy. It feels hard. If you ask Google, uh, you can find out all kinds of statistics. And Right now, if you didn't realize this, I'm sure you do, depression is at an all-time high. From March 31st, 2020 to April 31st, 2020, one month, the beginning of that March, 9% of the population in the U.S. said they were struggling with depression. At the end of April, it went to 28%. It tripled. That was in April. That was in April. I remember April. April was weird, right? We were all waiting like, well, just another month and maybe we'll open back up. People weren't really losing their jobs. Things weren't really shutting down completely yet. It tripled back then. Imagine what people are dealing with now. There are people in this church that this is their home that are in deep depression episodes right now. And it's hitting them hard. People are struggling. I guarantee you people in our community in Jack's Beach are struggling with depression. Teens, Young people, they're suffering from low self-esteem. Just in 2020 alone, the number of teens that were added to the list of depression and suicidal thoughts that would admit went 206,000 more kids in one year. Said, yeah, I'm struggling. And that's just the ones that would admit it. They're living in crazy times. They're dealing with something that no one has ever had to do and their kids, at the, their teens at the same time. Families are struggling. People are just, people are just hoping for that stimulus check. Did you know in 2019 that 3.4% of the United States said they did not have enough food in a seven-day period to eat? In the United States, 
In a seven-day period, this, this, they didn't have enough money. It's about 1.2 million people in this country. In 2020, the number went up 14%. You're talking about almost 5 million Americans. This is America. You're telling me 5 million people don't have enough food to eat in, in a seven-day period here? This is supposed to be the place. This is supposed to be the land of milk and honey and the happy island and all that. It's not easy right now. And people are divided, they're angry, they're doing all this, the politics is all over the place. And I'm up here saying, we need to unify and Jesus and the gospel. Let's bring all this stuff. I know that's what I'm supposed to say when I get up here. I know I'm supposed to just do the preacher guy thing. But let's be honest. I'll be honest with you. I haven't talked to my neighbor about Jesus because I got problems. I'm just trying to get by too. Things are, they feel heavy all the time. You may feel the same way. But like I said, have we not been bought with a price? Did Jesus not die for my sins? Did he not change me? Did he not give me a commission to love my neighbor as myself? It's not about feeling bad. And I'm not trying to make any feel bad, anybody feel bad. This, but this is a call to lift up your eyes and ask yourself to examine yourself and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, because we are the church. I know these guys in the book of Acts sound like super-duper Christians. And we're not super-duper Christians. We're more like we got a board, and we got baggies, and we have the Bible. We come to church. But this, this, this stuff is, this is not easy when it's going, it's going tough. So what are we supposed to do? So if you're out there, and, I, and you're asking me, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what you're supposed to do, to be honest with you. But maybe, maybe we're supposed to do what these guys did and come together and fast and pray and seek God and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in the most difficult time that any of us have ever experienced. Maybe, maybe we're supposed to pray. Maybe we're supposed to fast. Maybe we're supposed to put our differences aside and come together and unite under the banner of Jesus and his cross. What if that's what we're supposed to do? I can't, to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time I fasted for anything that had to do with seeking God. Uh, and I'm not counting dry January or Lent. I'm talking about I fasted because I was seeking God. Or how about this one? I can't remember the last time I prayed for anyone other than me and my own family. I'm, I have, I'm being honest with you. And when was the last time you did? Are we seeking God on behalf of Jacksonville Beach? This is the community that God has put Ocean City in, and you guys are a part of this place. This is your church. Have, when are we going to start praying for the people around us that need to hear the gospel? Again, this is not a how awesome of a Christian can you be thing because you don't have it within yourself. I don't have it within myself. We've admitted we've got problems. It's more about lifting up your eyes and realizing, as Gerald says all the time, that you've gone from death to life. All right, let's look at some of these characters real quick. They weren't perfect human super Christians walking on water like we think they were. You have Paul, who was Saul, who was actively crushing and killing Christians. He was trying to destroy all things Christian, right? For, he has his little death-to-life experience on the donkey. Did you know that theologians believe he didn't do any preaching or teaching for almost 12 years? 
He was out of the game. He didn't just have this Jesus experience to be like, now I am awesome and I will tell everyone and get saved. No, 12 years they believe he didn't do anything. And for two of those years, the church, Peter and the apostles, wouldn't approve him to go anywhere or preach. They're like, no way, we can't trust this guy. He murdered a whole bunch of us. 12 years, he was imperfect. Did you know that a lot of, if you really get into a deep study and commentary on this, they think Paul was very sick during this whole first journey. They think he either, either had yellow fever or typhoid. Splitting headache, just in terrible condition to be sailing from uh, Antioch to Cyprus, the happy island. He had issues, man. He had a sickness, but he didn't let that stop him from doing what God called him to do. You got this John Mark character. Remember, his mom started the first house church. If you keep reading the story, he ends up deserting. He gives up. After they go to Paphos, he leaves. Paul and Barnabas get into a fight on it later, and they split up because John said, I can't do this. This is too hard. I got too much on me. I got problems, and he left. These are imperfect people struggling. The journey was hard. Paul was sick. Too much for John. Like these, these are real people just trying to get the message of the cross out. And then you got this guy, Simon. Let's look at Simon. <clears throat> this is amazing. Now, this is conjecture. There's incomplete information with this. But if you do look at what theology, uh, theologians and scholars have done, they believe this guy, Simon, was the same siren, Simon that helped carry the cross out Mount Calvary. Well, let's go back real quick, uh, recap. In Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 15, Jesus has been beaten so bad. I mean, beaten to the point where they're making him carry his own cross up a hill and he keeps falling down. And so the scripture says there was a man named Simon that was coming through, had nothing to do with the politics. This is a political coup happening. Sound familiar? People like throwing that term around. Now, there's a political coup happening. This guy doesn't want anything to do it. He's just there doing his work. He gets seized. Look at Mark chapter 15. It says, and there was a, they seized, one translation says, compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, the father, father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry the cross. Now, look at this. There, like I said, there's incomplete uh, uh, information, but wouldn't it be like God to get the guy the only other person that carried the cross up that hill besides Jesus. He had Jesus' blood on him, and he didn't know him. And he resentfully, there's no way he wanted to do that. I don't want any part of this. I don't want any of the pain. I don't want any of the problems. I'm just here. And they seized him. They compelled him. And they, he put that cross on his back, and he carried it up that hill. Would that not be like God? To put someone like Cyrene in this position, to be directly responsible for this story of the cross going to the whole world. The first journey, this guy, Simon of Cyrene. These were imperfect people. He wasn't interested in this stuff. He was just doing his, he was just trying to get by. He didn't want the weight of the world on him. And here's the thing. We have got to stop examining our spiritual level of awesomeness. These guys weren't awesome. They were people with problems. We got to stop letting that be something that holds us back from carrying our cross to our community. It's not about your perceived level of growth or spirituality. It's about the fact that you've been changed by Jesus, that you've had an encounter with the cross like Simon did. And when you got close to it, the Holy Spirit compelled you. He seized you. He took a hold of your heart and he changed you. And what happens when you get close to the cross? What happens when you have that transformation in your heart? Your journey in Jesus leads you to becoming what? Hands and feet. 
Scripture says we become his hands and his feet. As he gives you joy, he wants to use your hands to give joy to others. As he gives you peace, he wants to use your feet to bring the gospel of peace. And people need peace now more than ever. They're longing for peace. This is about Jesus and what he did and allowing the Holy Spirit to compel you to seize your heart, to become his hands and feet. It's his work, not ours, but he invites us to be a part of it. And that's the challenge today. Not to see if you measure up to being some kind of super Christian, but to just ask yourself, am I on the journey? Am I on the journey? Am I working towards being a part of his his hands and his feet? I'm examining myself. I need to tell Rocky, my neighbor, about Jesus. I'm the hands and feet of God. Even though I'm struggling with my own things, I got to do it. I got to tell them. What if, and here's the thing. This is a great place to start. It's January. Everybody's doing New Year's resolutions. If you haven't been very involved here, get involved. OCC is a great place to start. Get involved. Become an anchor. Get involved with city groups if you haven't been. Make it a priority. Come help on Wednesday nights once you become an uh, an anchor with the youth. Get involved with Carver, Mission House. We do our our global mission partners on the wall. Get involved. Get on the journey. Get your hands and your feet dirty. You're compelled. You're changed by the gospel. Do these things. They're good. You should do them. Get, get involved deeper. We're going to start Bible study soon. Oasis and Try Bible study. Sign up. Let's search the scriptures together. And above all else, if you don't hear anything else I've said today, remember two things. It's the cross and Jesus alone that saves us. And number two, let's let forgiveness and encouragement be our banner. Let's put our differences aside. Let's unite in Jesus' name and let forgiveness and encouragement be the banner in the way that we function. To let forgiveness lead our interactions with others and interact first with encouragement. Man, what would they say about Jesus and his cross if this is the way we behaved? We can't have unity without forgiveness and we can't have unity if we don't encourage one another in the faith and life. Let's come together, let's pray, let's seek him, and let's, let's love one another through faith and encouragement. Now, I'm making a big turn here. I said all that stuff, but this part is also very important. We're gonna read the rest of the scripture. I can't just yell at you all the time. I gotta finish the verses. Now, look, if you go back to six, this is, this is the part I really, and this, is, this part I felt like God was speaking to me about what we might see in 2021. Now, let me, you contemplate it yourself. Verse six They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. They met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Funny name, Bar-Jesus. That could get confusing. Which Jesus are we talking about? The Bar one or the other guy? Uh, Who was the attendant of the proconsul? That means governor, Sergius Paulus. I can't read that unless it's like Sergius Paulus. Like Roman, I just picture like flowing. Hello, this is Governor Sergius you know, and so this governor guy, he has this, uh, he has a wizard named Bar-Jesus. The governor, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God, but Elmas, again, they have a gazillion names, the wizard, for which his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. When I think of the wizard, I cannot picture anybody other than uh, Dumbledore or whatever his name is from Harry Potter. Like, I just picture like that guy, and he's just like, 
I'm a wizard. I don't know what wizards do. Uh, I've never watched Harry Potter. But like, so I, this is how I picture it, like Sergius Paulus. And then he's got like a wizard, Dumbledink, or whatever his name is, as like his uh, little. And so these are very superstitious times. Even though this guy was very intelligent, he had like wizards and spell guys that he hung out with and would get advice from. Um, uh, so anyway, picture those people in your mind. Uh, so the Dumbledore decides to try to stop Sergius Paulus from uh, hearing the gospel. And then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at him and said, you are a child of the devil and the enemy of everything in the right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the ways of the Lord. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. I don't recommend you pray that against anyone. Um, immediately, this is crazy, immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead by the hand. When the governor saw what happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. This is what I felt like God was putting upon me, guys. I think the line between those that are spiritual and not spiritual, those that are just kind of one foot in, one foot out, is about to change this year. I think you're going to see two types of people start to emerge. You're going to see people like the governor that are actively seeking Jesus. They're like, tell me, I want the gospel. Hey, if you run into anybody like them, bring them to church. Tell them the gospel. Tell them about the cross. I think people have been struggling long enough. They want to hear truth. They want to hear peace. Their truth quest is starting now, and it's going to be stronger than it has ever been. And secondly, I, th I think we're going to see people that actively oppose the gospel harder than it's ever been done. I think we're going to encounter people that are extreme on both ends, those seeking and those opposed. But here's the thing. Here's the part that really got me. The wizard, of course, he opposed, but this is what I think we're going to see. But look what happened to this guy, right? It says he was blinded and he started to seek someone to lead him by the hand. When things go dark, no matter how unopposed a person has been to the gospel message, and we all know them, the darkness will eventually turn to blindness. If we stay in the darkness, if these people that we encounter, including us, we all feel this darkness, if you stay in the darkness long enough, it eventually turns to blindness. And when you're blind long enough, you will reach out for help. Come on now. There are going to be people that have been adamantly against Jesus and his message, and they've been in the darkness so long, it's going to eventually turn so dark that it's blind. And is it possible that even they will start to reach out for help and seek truth? Let's be there. When they start to reach out their hands, let's not, be, let's not turn away from them, but let's bring them, let's grab them by the hands, let's tell them the truth of Jesus Is it possible that this could happen? I don't know, but I have a sense, and you, you work it out in your own, in your own time, but I, in your own prayers, but I think this is the way it's going. Things have been tough. And more and more people are after peace and hope and are longing for this truth, especially at the beaches, especially in Jacksonville in the USA, more now than ever. And as, I, as I'm, I'm coming to an end here, as the band comes, I just want to say this last few things here. What if we became sons and daughters of encouragement at this time, you know? What if we were Barnabases? What if the people that we interact with, even if I don't have all the right words to say, I don't have the Bible memorized, I don't know the truth, I can still encourage someone to go to him. I say, let's bring the good news to this Pablo Island, to our happy island. Let's get people here. Let's let 
Let's let the gospel shine bright in our lives, even in our lives, even when it feels really hard. But here's, here's the biggest part. What if we just be, become Simons? Just Simons, like, all I can do is carry a cross. I didn't ask for this. My life is still hard, but the Holy Spirit has changed me. And what I'm gonna do is just carry that cross daily to the best of my ability to bring it up that hill so that people, when they look up at that hill, they see Jesus and only Jesus. And why is this a, is this a matter? Because Jesus is the king and he deserves to be praised and worshiped and his message needs to go to our community. Let's bring it to them. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you and we honor you, God. You are the king and you are the Lord. And Father, I just pray that your name would be lifted up in these next few minutes, God. I pray that you stir our hearts, that you stir the hearts of Ocean City Church, that you stir the hearts of the churches in Jacksonville, that you stir the hearts of the people in the churches in the United States to seek you like never before, to pray to you like never before, and come together in unity, Father, like never before, God. May your name be lifted up, and may many come to the gospel and find their place in your kingdom. Jesus.